0: but i wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing a Podcast. Hello again and welcome to Serial Killing a Podcast, where we go through the life stories of serial killers to see if we might catch a glimpse of why they displayed their famous, vile and disturbing behaviors. Special thanks to my patrons who voted for this episode. Thank you so much. You are truly appreciated. And for anyone else, please feel free to join my patrons so that you too can vote on who will be covered next or even get early access to the podcasts. Like, share, and subscribe. It just might help our little community grow. This week's podcast was voted to be on Irma Griss, also known as the Hyena of Auschwitz. So, Ermagaard Ilse Ida Gress was born on October 7, 1923, in the Weimar Republic, officially named the German Reich, during which it was a constitutional federal republic for the first time in history. Hence, it is also referred to and unofficially proclaimed itself as the German Republic. So, as we do, let's get into some history for that time. In 1923, the biggest piece of news was that King Tutankhamen's burial chamber was opened. The Warner Brothers established their film studio company this year, and, in case you ever wondered what the brothers' names were, they were Albert, Samuel, Jack, and Harry. Also this year, the very first issue of Time magazine was published. The magazine was developed by two journalists and was the first news magazine published every week in the United States. The Great Kanto Earthquake devastated the cities of Tokyo and Yokohama. Measuring at 8.2 on the Richter scale, the death toll rose to over 100,000 people. A few minutes after the quake, a 40-foot tsunami swept the region, killing many and destroying a lot of property. After the tsunami, fires began in the wooden houses and buildings in Tokyo and Yokohama. Also in 1923, insulin was discovered as an effective way to treat diabetes. The Irish Civil War came to an end this year. See, the conflict was fought between the Irish Nationalists and the Irish Republicans. The war erupted over the Anglo-Irish Treaty, which established the Irish Free State. Pro-treaty Nationalists were backed by the United Kingdom, who wanted Northern Ireland to remain linked to the United Kingdom. The Civil War ended with the pro-treaty forces claiming victory in the end. The Republic of Turkey was created this year after World War I, as well. Also this year, a series of tornadoes struck Iowa and Nebraska, killing 20 people. The first electric sewing machine was sold in 1923. Also, the world's first domestic refrigerator was sold in Sweden, as well as the first hearing aid in England. So, this was the atmosphere that Irma was born into. Irma was born to Alfred Griss and Berta Winter Gress, according to an article written for Bartleby.com. Alfred was a dairy farmer, though he didn't own the farm himself, but he earned an honest living, and the couple raised their children in a small village north of Berlin. It was said that Irma was the third of five children, three girls and two boys, so quite literally the middle child by the time Irma was born, the anti-Jewish propaganda had already begun. Hitler had already labeled the Jewish community as a, quote, tuberculosis of the peoples, end quote, calling for a nationalist government to remove them completely from Germany two years before Irma was even born. Hitler had already begun creating outreach programs targeting new and young voters, as well as voters whose grievances were not being addressed by the established political parties. Now, I've already done a broad overview as to how and why Hitler rose to power and what the German people were being told in my podcast about Ilse Koch. So if you want to go back and listen to that one, it's it's just a few episodes back. But long story short... Hitler made grand promises, such as restoring Germany's strength and pride after World War I by tearing up the Treaty of Versailles, establishing a self-sufficient and prosperous economy that guaranteed full employment based on talent and national patriotism, cleansing Germany's streets and mass popular media of criminal activity, asocial behavior, and allegedly immoral expression annihilate the alleged Marxist, which is communist slash socialist threat to German politics and culture, and to remove foreign and Jewish influences, meaning political, economic, cultural, intellectual, and genetic, that allegedly undermined German society. World War I had been pretty devastating for Germany and it affected the everyday citizen quite negatively, so his promises and propaganda gave some people hope. But again, just before Irma was born, Hitler was already rising in power, unlike Ilse who had been born almost 20 years earlier and grew up exposed to all of this. So when Irma was 12 years old, her mother, Berta, discovered that Alfred had been having an affair with a local pub owner's daughter. Not able to endure the betrayal and humiliation, she committed suicide by drinking hydrochloric acid. Now, guys, hydrochloric acid is a clear, obviously poisonous liquid. It is a caustic chemical and highly corrosive, meaning it immediately causes severe damage to tissues, including burning immediately after contact. So Berta would have quickly experienced symptoms such as burning in her mouth and throat, which would have been intensely painful. She most likely began uncontrollably drooling and having difficulty breathing as her throat began to swell. She would have had severe abdominal pain, bloody vomit, fever, and a rapid drop in blood pressure. It would have been a horrifically painful death. But Alfred later married again to a woman named Helene, who we must assume continued raising his children. We do know that Alfred also joined the Nazi party, though sources stated that he was not really indoctrinated too deeply. I got the impression that he saw the Nazi party becoming so popular and holding sway, you know, so to speak, that he joined as many others did out of thinking that was just the way of it. One of Irma's sisters later testified that when she was a young girl in school, when other girls would get into quarrels and especially physical fights, Irma would turn and walk away that she wasn't scrappy at all, even though she was apparently bullied pretty badly. She had no instinct or inclination to fight, and she got to the point that she couldn't take the torment from the other girls anymore, and she dropped out of school when she was just 15 years old in 1938. By this point, the first concentration camp in Frankenberg had already been built and used as a, quote, protective custody facility for opponents of the new politics of the Nazi regime. Now, construction of the new concentration camp, Buchenwald, had just been completed the year before Irma quit school. It was one of the largest concentration camps at that time. Prisoners came from all over Europe and the Soviet Union, Jews, Poles and other Slavs, the mentally ill and physically disabled, political prisoners, Romani people and prisoners of war. There were also ordinary criminals and sexual deviants imprisoned there as well, but Irma wasn't quite ready for the camps. Um, Not yet. Irma was described as a beautiful young lady with blonde, ringlet-curled hair and light eyes. I mean, the Nazi Aryan race dream, right? She had a gorgeous smile, and she looked to be very happy, just a happy, healthy girl. In later pictures, though, she was still so very young in her early adulthood, she looks haggard, tired, and just angry. The beautiful smile and bright eyes are completely gone. She moved to another village after dropping out of school and began working on a farm there, which makes sense because this would have been all she had ever really known since her father was a farmer. This job was said to have lasted about six months before she got a new job working in retail in a store before then going to work in an SS-ran hospital as an apprentice nurse for a couple of years. History professor Wendy Lauer wrote in her book, quote, Hitler's Furies, that young women of modest backgrounds asserted themselves by leaving their villages, enrolling in training programs as typists or nurses, and joining a political movement. It's just what they did. And working in this hospital with the SS would have exposed her to daily indoctrination of their ideas and intentions. Irma, as well as her sisters, wanted to join the League of German Girls, which was the girls' wing of the Nazi Party youth movement, the Hitler Youth. But due to the basically mandatory membership of all young women, except for those excluded for racial reasons, of course, the League became the largest female youth organization at the time, with over 4.5 million members. But do not get it twisted. Irma very much wanted to be a member, but her father completely forbade it. Before her 17th birthday, she moved to the SS Female Helper's training base, which was located near Ravensbrück, the all-female concentration camp. And I think this is as good a part as any to stop and sort of take a look at her childhood. So by the time Irma was born, anti-Semitism, which was one of many horrific racist and elitist atrocities the Nazis were committing, was already in full swing. She would have been, at least on some level, exposed to this. She would have heard the rumblings of it between the grown-ups around her. It would have been the gossip around her village. The propaganda would have been everywhere. There would have been no escaping it. Again, the average German citizens were going through a horrific depression after the First World War, and they were really struggling. Her parents didn't own their own farm, but rather her father had to be sort of a field hand for someone else's farm, and that is very hard work. She would have been a child watching all of this going on around her. And then, at just 12 years old, her mother committed suicide. An article titled, quote, The Impact of Parental Suicide on Child and Adolescent Offspring, end quote, written for Guilford Journals, states that, quote, Child and adolescent survivors of parental suicide experience two stressful events simultaneously. One, the loss of a primary caregiver, and two, suicidal death of a significant person. These youths are thought to be at increased risk for mental health problems. John Hopkins shared an article titled, quote, Children who lose a parent to suicide more likely to die the same way, end quote. And it goes on to say that losing a parent to suicide makes children more likely to die by suicide themselves and increases their risk of developing a range of major psychiatric disorders, according to a study led by John Hopkins Children's Center that is believed to be the largest one to date on the subject. So, losing a parent to suicide at an early age emerges as a catalyst for suicide and psychiatric disorders, according to Holly C. Wilcox, PhD at Hopkins Children's. Quote, However, it's likely that developmental, environmental, and genetic factors all come together, most likely simultaneously, to increase risk. End quote. In addition, those who lost parents to suicide were nearly twice as likely to be hospitalized for depression as those with living parents. And those who lost parents to accidents or illness had 30 to 40 percent higher risk, respectively, for hospitalization. And here's a point that I think might apply to Irma. Losing a parent, regardless of cause, increases a child's risk of committing a violent crime, the researchers found. And then we find that young Irma was bullied in school rather badly, according to one of her sisters. In recent years, bullying has come into the spotlight as a major contributor to mental health problems in young people. According to StopBullying.gov, up to 28% of kids aged 6 to 12 have experienced bullying and 20% of high schooler students have although other studies have reported considerably higher numbers. There are consistent links between bullying and mental health disorders like depression and anxiety, and even more heartbreaking, suicide as kids age. A new study tells us more about the connection between childhood bullying and early adulthood depression, and the one seems to contribute significantly to the other. When researchers take out other factors like mental and behavioral problems, family situations, and stressful life events, kids who were bullied frequently still had a two-fold higher risk of depression when they were 18. And we don't know which kids specifically bullied her, but regardless, losing her mother to suicide and being bullied we know would have had a profound impact on her mind and outward behaviors. This on top of the constant stream of negativity about anyone that wasn't of pure German blood and so on, and this would have had a tremendous influence on her young life. So let's get back into it. After having around a year's worth of training in Ravensbrück in 1943, the now 20-year-old Irma was transferred to Auschwitz. Her father did not want her to take this path. Due to her being transferred, father and daughter had a falling out, as some sources say. Others say that he whooped her behind. But regardless, as he had been vehemently opposed to her joining the SS, he kicked her out of the house. And as we all know, Auschwitz-Birkenau was the biggest and most infamous of the Nazi death camps. And Irma showed them what a loyal, dedicated, and obedient Nazi member she was. So it should come as no surprise that she rapidly climbed the rank of senior SS supervisor, the second highest rank that could be bestowed upon females in the SS. And most likely alongside Dr. Josef Mengele, Irma too participated in prisoner selections for the gas chambers at Auschwitz. She had the authority to determine who would live and who would be murdered. But the level of depravity she displayed upon the living prisoners is legendary. She delighted in causing the pain, and it was said she would often hit women on the breasts, something she especially enjoyed doing, as well as forcing young Jewish inmates to act as lookouts while she raped other prisoners. Other sadistic findings were discovered about her actions during her time at Auschwitz, Included the use of a whip with a braided wire end to beat prisoners. Irma was said to also have had many affairs with other Nazis, including Dr. Josef Mengele himself. And when it came time to select women specifically for the gas chamber, well, she would purposely pick out the beautiful female prisoners due to jealousy and spite. The Jewish Virtual Library wrote that Irma had lampshades made from the skin of three dead prisoners, just as we heard about Ilsa Koch. Survivors spoke about her acts of pure sadism, beatings, and arbitrary shooting of prisoners, as well as the savaging of prisoners by her trained and half starved dogs. She habitually wore heavy boots and carried a whip and a pistol. She used both physical and emotional methods to torture the camp's inmates and enjoyed shooting prisoners in cold blood. But you see, Irma had gotten in on the action in the death camps later than others, as the end of the war was approaching The Allies loosened the Nazi stranglehold on Europe and, very quickly, Irma went from destroying people's lives to trying to save her own. In early 1945, Irma accompanied a prisoner evacuation transport from Auschwitz to Ravensbrück. In March, she went to Bergen-Belsen, along with a large number of prisoners from Ravensbrück. And because I didn't know much about Bergen-Belsen, I'm assuming many of you don't as well, so I looked it up. It was originally established as a prisoner of war camp. In 1943, parts of it became a concentration camp. Initially, this was an exchange camp where Jewish hostages were held with the intention of exchanging them for German prisoners of war held overseas. The camp was later expanded to accommodate Jews from other concentration camps. From 1941 to 1945, almost 20,000 Soviet prisoners of war and a further 50,000 inmates died there overcrowding, lack of food, and poor sanitary conditions caused outbreaks of typhus, tuberculosis, typhoid fever, and dysentery, leading to the deaths of more than 35,000 people in the first few months of 1945, shortly before and after the liberation. So this is where Irma landed at the end of the war. The now 22-year-old Irma was captured by the British Army in April of 1945, along with other SS personnel who did not run when they knew the Allies were coming. The Allied soldiers discovered roughly 60,000 prisoners inside, most of them half-starved and gravely ill, and another 13,000 dead bodies just littered and lying around the camp unburied. One British man described it as this, quote, Here, over an acre of ground, lay dead and dying people. You could not see which was which. The living lay with their heads against the corpses, and around them moved the awful, ghostly procession of emaciated, aimless people, with nothing to do and with no hope for life, unable to move out of your way, unable to look at the terrible sights around them. Babies had been born here, tiny, wizened things that could not live. A mother, driven mad, screamed at a British sentry to give her milk for her child and thrust the tiny mite into his arms, then ran off, crying terribly. He opened the bundle and found the baby had been dead for days. This day at Belsen was the most horrible of my life, End quote. Once captured and arrested, Irma stood accused of multiple war crimes at the Belsen trial. She was described as one of the, quote, most sinister and hated figures in the concentration camps. She was tried over the first period of the trials, which was September through November of 1945, The trials were conducted under British military law, based on charges derived from the Geneva Convention of 1929 regarding the treatment of prisoners. The accusations against her were mostly centered around her horrific treatment of the prisoners and murder of those imprisoned at the camps. Survivors were able to provide detailed testimony of her cruelties, They, too, spoke of the braided whip she would use on the women. So, under direct examination, Irma Griss testified about her background. She said, quote, I tried to become a nurse, but the labor exchange would not allow that and sent me to work in a dairy in Furtensburg. In July 1942, I tried again to become a nurse, but the labor exchange sent me to Ravensbrück concentration camp, although I protested against it. I stayed there until March 1943, when I went to Birkenau camp in Auschwitz. I remained in Auschwitz until January 1945." So it appears that she did try to downplay her role as a willing participant in the torture and murder of so many people at the concentration camps. During her trial, the media dubbed her the beautiful beast along with the hyena of Auschwitz. An ever defiant Irma pleaded not guilty, but was found guilty. She did appeal the guilty verdict, but was denied, and in December 1945, while she sang Nazi songs, she was hanged. So, what happened with her and so many others that tortured and murdered so many people, and yet seemed to be at least moderately decent people themselves prior to the war, Most of us are aware that heavily promoted propaganda is a fairly effective way to sway people who are kind of already on the fence, so to speak. But for reasonably thinking people, how was it so easy for them to flip the switch, so to speak, and do these unimaginable evil things that they otherwise most likely would not have done? Now, I don't know about you guys, but this situation kind of made me think of the Stanford Prison Experiment, which we have discussed before. This was a psychological experiment from 1971 to last two weeks, in which volunteer young adults in a mock prison environment would be divided into two groups, prison guards and prisoners. These volunteers were evaluated first for any possible psychological issues prior to this experiment, The guards were given uniforms that made sure they didn't individually stand out in any way. Their instructions were to keep the prisoners from escaping. The guards were specifically instructed not to harm the prisoners physically or withhold food or drink, only to maintain law and order. The prisoners were assigned a number to be used rather than their name, stripping them of their own identity. Over the course of the experiment, the psychological abuse of the prisoners by the guards became increasingly brutal. What is a very, very long story short, the guards, given an ounce of power, abused that power absolutely. The experiment had to be stopped for the mental safety of the prisoners. And while this experiment is heavily criticized for many very valid reasons, it is still rather telling. I feel like, though this was indeed a very flawed experiment, it does shed some light into human behavior and what people are truly capable of when they are given unchecked power over others, but it's just a thought. Tell me, guys, what do you think? Leave me a comment or you can DM me on Instagram, at serial killing. I always attach my contact information in the notes, but most importantly, Thank you guys so much for listening, because I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you chose me, and I always appreciate it. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Anybody who killed more than two or three people was a mass murderer, and whether it was all at one place or over an extended period of time, and then uh, in the early 80s they came up with this differentiation called serial killing.